Much of our world is about that fairy tale ending. And while that's cute and all, real love is way more complicated. Yes, it's imperfect, but beautiful, and worth more than some fairy tale. This is the Project Real Love Podcast, where myths are dispelled and you are equipped to find that imperfect but perfect love. Here's your host, Pink Girl Teaches. Today I'm going to do an edition of Narc Detox with Joy and I'm just going to be talking about narcissistic abuse in the terms of an intimate relationship. So the discard, I want you to know that if you discarded a narcissist or they discarded you, it really doesn't matter because guess what? The discard at the end of the day is nothing but an illusion. That's right. It's not real. It's an illusion. And the crazy thing is that the entire relationship that you have with a narcissist is nothing but an illusion. So funny, you know, something real just doesn't end as an illusion. It's an illusion the entire time. And one thing about the discard is that it generally, for the most part, and if you talk to people who have been in relationships with narcissists, you will find out that 90% of the time that discard catches them by surprise. And even if you are the one who had to discard the narcissist, like, look, when I was in a relationship with my narcissist or my ex-narcissist, listen, I had no clue that it was going to end when it was going to end because really I thought we were a forever deal. Those That was our goal. But the day came and I was forced. I was put in a position to make a choice and it was either my self-respect or him. And I'm sorry, every single time I will respect myself. I say this a lot that when someone disrespects you, you have one option and one option only, and that is to respect yourself. I'll say it like this. When someone dishonors you, your only response is to honor yourself. And so I had, I had to walk the walk that I talked. You know, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you to respect yourself, walk away from situations. And then I'm just going to go running to him. I had to walk away and it felt like my heart was literally being ripped from my chest. Like it hurt me with everything. I was crushed. One thing that you have to understand is that a relationship with a narcissist, when it comes to an end, when that discard happens, it is going to hurt you in a way that you have never experienced pain before. It will cut deep. Primarily because you weren't expecting it, but also 
because the narcissist really comes in and makes you feel like they are your soulmate. And this is what's so diabolical about all of this is because that's their goal. They want you to be that comfortable and that confident in them and in the relationship that you are creating. It's like, wow, like heaven touched earth and I found this person and we are just going to go skipping into the sunset now calm down. It's not, it's nothing like that. And if you are going to be aware and alert, then you're going to see the red flags. You are going to see them. And the, the matter or the end, at the end of the day, the only thing that will matter is, did you pay attention to them? That's it. And so this is what I want to talk to you about today. Now, before the relationship can be discarded or before you can be discarded, you have to be engaged first. What do I mean? Well, the narcissist will spot you. And, you know, let's just say you met on a dating app or even in person and, you know, they will scope you and they will see, hey, what do I like about this person? And they, of course, in either one of those situations are going to look at you physically. But as they get to know you, they want to know do you respect yourself? Do you respect your boundaries? Do you have any boundaries? What are your standards? What are the things that they hurt you? So the way they come in is they will ask you a lot of questions. And a lot of the times it feels like, oh, you know, they really want to get to know me. They must be interested in me because they listen attentively. They, you know, they chime in and they reinforce you positive positively and you know they even speak up again against certain injustices that you may have experienced and you know they will just tell you how they would have been there for you in that situation so let's just say you had a family dispute before you met them and they will tell you something like if I was there nothing like that would have happened because I would have defended you I would have stood up for your honor I would have you know they would just go on about all that they could have should have would have done if they had the chance but that's a lie. That's a lie. Just, just don't believe it. Here's the thing. That is part of the game and that is the idealization phase. That's what we call love bombing. This is so that they can keep your head in the clouds. You know how people say when they're feeling all warm and fuzzy inside that they're on cloud nine? They want to keep you on cloud nine. They want to keep you in a state of delusion so that you are not engaging all your cognitive skills. They come and, you know, really it's physical, it's psychological rape. Okay. They are tapping into your highest, your highest thoughts, your highest emotions and playing games from that place. It is psychological rape and that's all it is, period. So they will love bomb you and they are attentive, lots of sex, affection. They care about everything. They remember everything. They listen intently. But the thing about them listening, it's a double-edged sword because it feels good that somebody is that interested in you. Yet on the other hand, they are simply gathering information that they will in turn use to manipulate you. 
And so once they have secured you as a source of supply, listen, you are a source of narcissistic supply. You are not an equal. You are not a partner. You are not a girlfriend. You are not a fiance. You are not a wife. And that can be for men too, boyfriend, husband, fiance, whatever. You are none of those things. You are a source of supply because they don't view you as a person. They are there to benefit, period. Relationships are should be mutually about give and take, but they take, 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 take. They may give every now and then, but trust me, they will do more taking than giving and they will take what you cannot afford to give and that's just how it goes you may not realize it but you pay a price that is so high some people come out of these relationships financially drained emotionally drained physically drained because narcissistic abuse has a way of working with your body some people come out with cysts fibroids um high blood pressure, anxiety, depression. These are real medical conditions that people actually need help from. And if you don't believe me, then Google it. Google it. Google it. It'll tell you. And you will see that they are actual physical ramifications for being involved with a toxic person, migraines. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. But... The relationship feels so real and so intense. And guess what? None of it is real. But once a narcissist has secured you as a source of supply, now let's pause here for a moment and talk about what narcissistic supply is. What does it look like? Well, narcissistic supply varies from narcissist to narcissist. It depends what they need. And it's important that we know that narcissist or that I state that narcissistic supply is an actual mental condition. Uh, It has to be diagnosed by a professional. Now, I'm not taking away from the work of professionals, but we do know what is involved in the making of a narcissist. There are certain signs that are telltale that this is a narcissist. So one of those is that, um, in fact, one of the foundation pieces of them being a narcissist is they lack empathy. They also have a grandiose sense of self. Everything about them is important. They have an excessive need for the four A's. And the four A's are admiration, adoration, attention, and affection. Again, the four A's in in excessive amounts. Admiration, adoration, attention, and affection. And if you are with somebody and you feel like you are constantly having to show them um, or ego stroke them, you know, that's that admiration. They will ask you excessively, what is it about me that you like? Just so they can continue to hear you list these wonderful qualities about them. But try flipping that around and asking them what they like about you. You're not going to get an answer. They're going to flip it back on them so that they can feel good. And one of the reasons why is that they lack the ability to self-reflect. 
or self-validate themselves. And so that's why they need you. And that's part of narcissistic supply. So another thing is that they have a great sense of entitlement. They feel like they are owed everything without doing anything. How does that work? They are preoccupied with fantasies. And these are fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, and an ideal love, an ideal partner who's great at sex, beautiful, handsome, sexy, buff, all those things. They are just preoccupied with that. And why? Because that allows them to clout chase or that allows them to have bragging rights on this person because, again, they cannot self-validate themselves. But if I have Mr. Handsome here on my hand, then guess what? I must be something special because otherwise he wouldn't be with me. So even though, you know, you may see them with somebody beautiful, gorgeous, handsome or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all about them. It's never about the other person. And one telltale time of a narcissist, and I just thought of this, is that they don't compliment you because at the end of the day, it's about power and control. So how am I going to compliment you and tell you that, oh, sweetheart, you look so handsome tonight when I'm in competition with you? I'm the one who's supposed to be getting all the adoration, all the affection, all the attention because I'm so wonderful. That's how the narcissist thinks. So it's got nothing to do with you at any point. And that's why we say the relationship with a narcissist is an illusion, you know, and that's what it is. At the very core of a narcissist is, like I said earlier, is the lack of empathy, But I also want you to think of them as pathological liars, pathological cheaters, and they are pathologically envious and jealous. Now, the word pathological, we can interchange with the word compulsive. So they are compulsive liars. They lack control. They are compulsive cheaters. Listen. That's not what you deserve in an intimate relationship where you're giving up your body and they engage in reckless behavior. So that's reckless sex. Think twice. They are compulsively jealous and envious. That is who they are at the core. And so inside them, there is a void. Narcissism is, you know, it's been said to form in a child's formative years. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just how they were raised. They may have had a narcissistic parent and so they just pick up those traits or they experience a traumatic childhood and that's through a series of events or it's one traumatic event. And all it is, is a coping mechanism so they don't experience pain. But what happens is they begin to become that you know they become that person or that mask that they're wearing every day and that's who they are on the inside that becomes deeply rooted in them and it makes up their person or their personality and that is all to protect themselves from what they perceive as hurt or who will come in and hurt them 
On the flip side of it, when some other people experience those events, trauma, whatever it is in their childhood, and even in early teens, what they may end up becoming is a codependent. Now, a quick example of codependency is a people pleaser or somebody who can't say no. And that's because they feel the need to, again, people please. And that's as a result of of what they experienced either in childhood or, you know, as an early teen. And so here we have two, um, two opposites because you're either going to be a codependent or a narcissist, but at the end of the day, they are both coping mechanisms. They are both toxic. Okay. They are both toxic. You are toxic to yourself. If you cannot say no to something that you want to say no to, if you're continually saying yes to something that is making you uncomfortable and miserable, you're toxic. You're toxic to yourself and to the other people around you because it does bubble over, but it's a different type of um, toxic. It's not that, um, it's not one that is necessarily destructive as a narcissist would because you do have, or a codependent does have empathy. They have the ability to empathize with other people. So they may not do things to hurt somebody else, but actually end up hurting themselves. So they are both choices and, you know, they end up being attracted to each other oftentimes. And the narcissist, why? Because they can run you over as a codependent and a codependent, why? Because they're a people pleaser and they feel like they are validated through the narcissist, the narcissist's need for admiration, adoration, attention, and affection. They can give those things. But it doesn't serve either one of them any good. And so that relationship is toxic. And it works, you know, even with a healthy person, somebody who does not have narcissism or codependency as a underlying foundation. So here we are. We have talked about the love bombing and I've briefed you in a little bit on narcissism. So now once before they can devalue you, they have, I mean, before they can discard you, the devaluation has to happen. Now, this is once you are now a sure thing. This is when the narcissist says, hey, I bagged that and I can proceed to the next level. I can now step in and do what it is that I truly want to do to this person. And so guess what? They're after you now. Now the mask begins to fall. It may not slip all the way off, but it starts to be, it's, they start to play peekaboo. This is where, um, like I say, the devaluation starts and the narcissist may go missing in action. They may ghost you. And this is, you know, and this is really like, it starts off with them testing you. They're testing your boundaries. They're trying to see how much abuse will you take? How much can I get away with from you? And, you know, this is why it's so important that you don't date, that you don't get married until you have dealt with your underlying issues, because you don't want to wake up in a relationship that is going to be detrimental to you, to your mental health. Whew, don't do that. Stay away from that. Like, don't do it. They will do those things and 
feed you some sob story about how they had to go out of town, how they had this emergency, how their cat died, how their dog ate the charger and they didn't have any money because the dog also ate their debit card and they had no access to any funds until their kind neighbor decided to allow them to charge their phone and you're the first person they called. I mean, that will tell you anything. And that's just to test how much they can get away with. Now, they will ghost you and then they will pop up again. The narcissist or the devaluation stage also includes gaslighting. That is where they they try to um, make your reality seem like it's not real. Like you may say, you know, and this is a very, very hypothetical example, but they may tell you, oh, did you see how beautiful the sky was today? It was an amazing shade of pink. We all know the sky is blue and they will make you question everything you ever knew about the sky being blue and you will begin to think, well, maybe I'm confused here or maybe I forgot about, you know, you questioning and you're doubting yourself. What you have known since the beginning of time suddenly doesn't seem to make any sense to you or you begin to guess that, you know, second guess what you know, and it's always on facts. They also tend to triangulate you. Now, what triangulation is, if you think about a triangle, it has three points. There's going to be the narcissist, whether it's a male or female at the top, and there's going to be you and another person of the same sex at the bottom. Sometimes they use opposite sex, but in intimate relationships, it's mostly the same sex. So it could be two women or two men, depending on your narcissist. And Really, they will use the other person to make you jealous. And that's all it is. Triangulation is a jealousy mechanism. And it's so that you two end up going back and forth with with each other. Or even if you don't go back and forth, you begin to compete for the narcissist's attention. And again, then I tell you the four A's, attention, admiration, adoration, affection. So if you're in competition with another person for their attention, you're feeding right into their plan. You're feeding into their weakness and giving them everything that they need. And those are your four A's. So they will triangulate you and I said, they'll gaslight you and to keep you trauma bonded, which is just to keep you, um, even though you may know that they are no, no, no good for you. And this is like the Stockholm syndrome is to keep you locked in is that every now and then that good person that you met in the beginning, you know, your soulmate, the one that you just couldn't wait to spend your life with will reappear and they will love bomb you. And that's just, again, to kind of like, you know, pacify situation because they may feel like you're going to slip away or whatever. And once they again are comfortable that they gave you enough just to tie you over, they begin to devalue you again. And, you know, it's, is belittling, belittling you, yelling, screaming, shouting, embarrassing, just mistreating you. You know, if you think about the most toxic behaviors a person can exhibit, they are doing all of those things. And it does include for the malignant narcissist, verbal, for verbal, for both covert and overt, but for the malignant narcissist is going to include physical violence or threats of violence. You have got to pay attention to this. You know, what may have felt so good in the beginning 
Don't allow that to be the focus of what your reality is. What you're experiencing in the devaluation stage is just a glimpse of how terrible things can be. And I'm telling you that it's just a glimpse because this is what I know. And I'm not debating this. It is a glimpse. Should you decide to continue to stay, it gets worse. And for a lot of people, male and female, men and women, the discard is even worse. Some people don't make it back. They don't come home. They end up in a morgue with a tag on their toe because that's who they were dealing with. There are several similarities between a narcissist a psychopath, and a sociopath. They display very similar traits. With your sociopath, they're everything the narcissist is, but they're antisocial. So those are those loners who suddenly will step into your world and love bomb you like nothing. And then they value you and discard you. But the discard usually often, often ends up in death as with the sociopath, but the sociopath just be taking that crazy to another level. They may have friends and family that they engage in. They're not, they're like a step up from the narcissist. They just go extra hard. I, I will come back and, you know, talk more about the different types on another episode, but they are all closely related. They're just, you know, a few distinctions between them, but it's the same type of flow that happens. And once you know, once you get to know them, and it doesn't take a lot to get to know like the clinical terms or the psychological terms, you're able to differentiate between them easily. And the, I was going to say the great thing about, you know, having the experience with a narcissist is that you can spot them from a mile away. You can, you know, when you're being love bombed, you know, when they are running that game on you and the red flags begin to sing to you louder a lot earlier. And so you're able to save yourself. But all this leads to the devalue. I mean, the discard, which like I said at the beginning is nothing but an illusion. The discard happens fast and it catches you off guard and it will literally take your breath away. You will experience a pain that you have never felt in your life before. And here's my truth. I encountered this kind of pain after I got divorced. And this was like after I had taken like a five, six year break from any type of relationship. Like after I got divorced, there was nobody. And six years later, there was the narcissist. And in all of this, I did all these things, you know, to do, to, to work on myself, but there was still more work that needed to be done. And don't blame yourself and don't feel bad because let me tell you, narcissists will go after smart people. They will go after intelligent people. They will go after beautiful people. They go after successful people. Why? Because that makes them look better. So if you were somebody who has been duped by them, don't feel bad because I struggled with that a lot. I was like, you should have been smarter than that. You should have known all these things, but you can't extend some grace to yourself because this was deliberate. They were out to get you. One thing that you need to grasp early 
the sooner you get this, the sooner you can begin the next phase of your recovery process, or even just start the recovery process period, is you have to tell yourself and you have to actually accept that nothing that happened or everything that happened was a lie. Nothing was real at all. And that's so hard because the moments are real, you know, and it's okay to tell yourself that everything was real from you because it was, but what they told you was a lie. When you're able to just accept that for what it is, then you open the door for the next step and that's your recovery, but you cannot advance until you actually grasp that fact. And that's something so difficult because you have intimate moments. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about the friendship that is built. I'm talking about the plans for the future. I'm talking about how you will have memories of just being cuddled up on the couch and just holding hands and watching movies or just those moments that couples share that mean so much. None of it, none of it was real. Just tell yourself that. I know. I know, I know, I know firsthand that it's hard, but I'm living proof that it's not impossible. I would not have been able to move on, and I don't mean move on into another relationship, but move on to the ability to get up. Move on to the ability to say, hey, I'm going to jump in the shower. I'm going to practice some self-love. I'm going to do what joy likes. Without doing that, you can become stuck. And this is where depression and everything begin to set in. But I want to help you now. I've got some tools for you so that you can take this thing to the next level and experience your healing and your recovery. One of the first things that you're going to need to do is go no contact. And no contact means just that. For me, it was a little easier because when relationships end for me, that's it. It's over. I don't hold on to anything that was shared as in gifts and stuff like that. No, I let those go. And that means if I have to trash them, burn them, whatever, they're out of my house. They are, I'm not wearing no jewelry, nothing. If it's expensive, I'll offer it back. And that's it. You either take it or you don't, but I'm going to get rid of it. Now, depending on your narcissist, you may not want to contact them and say, hey, come get this ring or hey, come get this. You may mail some things to them or give them to a third party. But all the pictures, get rid of them. All the articles of clothing, out no more and delete their number in fact delete the text thread delete the call log delete the pictures from your phone your laptop everything and then block block their number block their email block them on all social media period you now have a you now have the responsibility of facilitating your healing. They have shown you who they are and they're not going to change. You cannot change a narcissist. They are who they are. Understand that they have been living and thinking this way their entire lives. So while it may be 
hard and painful to let go. Think of how painful it was to stay in that relationship. Think about how the devaluation felt. Think about every time they ghosted you or they belittled you or they gaslighted you or embarrassed you in public. Think about those things. Now let's keep moving forward. Get rid of everything. Go no contact. Part of being no contact means letting your immediate family as well as your circle of friends, those who make up your inner circle, fully aware that you want nothing to do with this person, that it's over and you don't want to hear anything from them. Sometimes if you have mutual friends, this is where you know you have to make the decision, am I cutting this person off too? Because you have to, your, your mental health is at stake. And you don't want to delay your, your healing. You can't put your life on hold for another person here. None of us know the day, nor the hour. And so why waste your time? We are all on borrowed time. Why waste your time waiting for somebody to actually wake up and realize what a wonderful person you are? The only plot twist here is there is no plot twist. They don't have the ability to receive you as a wonderful person who can actually edify their lives. No, they don't see that. So don't waste your time. You have got to release that thought. You cannot help somebody who will not help themselves. And because they already have a God complex and view themselves as superior to all other people, you're wasting your time. Don't even do it. Go no contact. Now, what happens when you shut down that contact? You need to start getting a tough skin. What is going to happen next is what we call a smear campaign. They are going to drag your name through the dirt. They will talk about you to anybody and anything. So if they have access or contact with your friends, that's who they're hitting up. Your family, that's who they are hitting up. And they may actually also do this in the devaluation phase. They may go and tell your family member like, oh, did you know that Joy does A, B, C, D? And it could be all lies. It could be the very things that they do that you don't like. And your family is going to be like, really? You know, and it happens. It has happened to people. Now, I didn't experience that, but it happens. I have several, several cases of that, you know, where people will say, this is what I experienced, and that's part of the smear campaign. And that is simply to set the, the narcissist, sociopath, psychopath in a position to be believed by other people. And so it's kind of like building up their team, like team psychopath, like who does that? Team narcissist, nah, we're good over here. And you've got to be willing to ride on your own. You have got to be willing to walk this thing by yourself because they are very convincing. And so people who you may have believed or thought would always have your back may surprise you because they're under the influence of the narcissist. So just keep it moving, cut off who you need to cut off and keep it pushing, but don't look back. Get tough skin, ignore the smear campaign. One thing that you're gonna have to do is when that smear campaign comes along, you want to jump up and defend yourself. You wanna stand up for your honor and your name and your integrity, let it go. I had this very podcast dragged through the mud. I had um, my coaching, a lot of things that I do dragged through the mud because guess what? Psychopath, 
because the narcissist, you know, that's what they do. And I really wanted to jump up and say, hey, that's not true because A, B, and then I was just like, why? Why? You don't have to validate yourself to anybody. Remember, we're healthy people. We self-validate. We self-reflect. So you don't need to be like them. Let it go. Those who know you, those who are for you, they will stand by you. And here's the thing. It's so important now that when you walk away to surround yourself by those or with those who love you, those who uplift you, those who build you, those who encourage you, those who support you. That's who deserves your time. That's who deserves your affection. That's who deserves your, that's who deserves your presence. Stay around them. Forget about the narcissist. The narcissist will employ what we term as flying monkeys. You know, those from the, um, the Wizard of Oz. So what the flying monkey is, is people the narcissist may use to spread propaganda to spread that smear campaign about you. There are nothing but flying monkeys. Ignore them. Now, here's the thing. I told you at the beginning, I've said it in the middle at some point, that the discard is nothing but an illusion. And it is. Because nothing is ever final with a narcissist. Narcissists get bored very easily. And so that's why they're able to... Um, deal with multiple people at once. That's right. Remember, I told you they're pathological cheaters. Nine out of 10, you are not the only person in the relationship with a narcissist. Nine out of 10, you are not. There are very, very few instances where they are faithful. Very few. Did you hear me? And that's because they have that excessive need for what? The four A's, attention, admiration, adoration, and affection. And they compartmentalize their um, their lovers so that, you know, you're not exposed to each other. And each lover serves a different purpose. One may be for sex. One may be for affection, ego stroking, because she's she or he is good at that. Some are for finances, some are for housing. It's all different things, you know? And that's not to say that every narcissist is broke. That's not the case. We have some very wealthy ones who will, who will, you know, use that money against you or to get you, you know? So don't limit your thinking to think that they are all broke. Now, one thing, like I said to you, is like they always have lots of people around them or or they have lots of lovers. Now, one thing with them, like I said, the discard is an illusion. So what they do is shelf their exes. And it doesn't matter whether it was you who ended it or them. They put you on a shelf. And this is why your no contact is important. How dare somebody think that you are a doll, a rag doll to be set on a shelf and to be pulled off the shelf when they think that they've punished you enough and that it's time for them to play with you again. No, they do that because they get bored with their current partners. And this is where the X recycling comes in. Now, X recycling is simply for added attention and triangulation. It's done to make the narcissist feel and appear important because trust you me, their current lovers are hearing about, you know, their exes and it's just an, a cycle of foolishness. You know, they will, they will talk about like, oh, my ex was so good at this. She cooked great. She looked good. She kept a clean home. Meanwhile, he's in a total slump. 
And that's to make somebody who may be insecure feel a certain type of way and, you know, feel like, oh, that's competition. Let me step up my game before this person leaves. And the other one, you know, and he's just telling different people different things because they know where you're lacking and what you need to hear they just know how to manipulate you. Okay. And so that's all X recycling is. So that's why for me, once I realized this, there was no way I could go back to anybody because what do you think I'm an option? No, ladies and gentlemen, you are not an option. I don't care what you have done in your past. We are all granted new mercies day by day. And so forgive yourself for some things and don't feel like this is your karma that you need to bow down to it. Respect yourself, honor yourself. You stay no contact, go no contact, stay no contact, deny that full access because why should they treat you like that? Like I said, you are an entire privilege. You are nobody's option and you have to think like that. Protect yourself protect and preserve who you currently are as well as the person that you are becoming. Okay, 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 I hear you. What if we have children? And that's the case for many people that that you can't go completely no contact. And so you now need to employ what we call the gray rock. If you think about a gray rock, it's boring, it's dull. There's nothing special about it. That's what you need to be, boring, dull, nothing special about you. That translates to one word answers, no information about you and talk about the matter at hand, whether it's children or business, period. That's all you talk about and you keep it pushing. Don't share your life with them. That is not your friend. They will take that information to use it against you. So the discard is an illusion. However, here is the plot twist. You have all the power in your hands. A lot of people always ask, Joy, how do I get revenge on the narcissist? And I'm going to tell you exactly this, what I tell every client, what I tell every brokenhearted person who approaches me and asks this, because at one point I wanted it, but I had to remember that vengeance belongs to the Lord. And you don't want to do something that will put you in a position to deal with God's wrath. Leave it alone. Work on yourself. Release them from the spirit of offense as well as yourself. Forgive yourself. Extend grace and go no contact. Stay no contact and begin to do that inner work, that inner healing. Because guess what? The narcissist thought that you needed them. The narcissist thought that they were your God. The narcissist believed wholeheartedly that you could not go with on in life without them. And so the greatest in your face is living your best life. And I'm not just saying that you're on social media, hashtagging living my best life, but I'm talking about authentically living your best life. That means that you've done some self-reflecting, that you are not calling yourself a victim because you are not a victim. Don't identify with that. You are somebody who went through something, but you're overcoming it and you're going to thrive from it. That's who you are. You are an overcomer. I refuse I'm not a victim. I am somebody who went through some things and I came out on top, period. Reject that whole victim thing. No, don't allow it because they're going to try to paint you as mm, the victim. Meanwhile, they are professional liars and professional victims themselves. That is not you. Let it go. 
let it go, do the hard work, be vulnerable, cry, heal, go for therapy, do what you have to do, but get it back together again and be authentic about it. Don't do it to to, you know, to get revenge on anybody. Do it because that's what you owe yourself. Find out what is the root? What is it in me that I am like this? What is, why was I okay with ignoring the red flags? Why was I okay with putting up with all the abuse? Why was I okay with being gaslighted and embarrassed and, and ignored and just treated like nothing? Ask yourself those questions and then do the work to heal from that. You are an entire privilege. You are a gift to earth. And there is something inside of you that we are all waiting to experience and enjoy. So don't allow some psychotic fool to make you feel like you are less than. No, you are. You are the entire prize. So, mm -mm. Let it go, turn it over to God and live your best life like authentically. That's how you have the upper hand. That's where that even though I've told you all this time that the discard is an illusion and that's because the narcissist sees you as an extension of themselves. If you have ever been in a relationship with one, they will feel like they forever have access to you and that's your power. That's your plot twist. That's your, uh, so you thought <laughs> you tried it. Because the power is yours and you can flip this thing around and walk away on top. But don't ever waste your time looking back to see what they're doing. Don't ever waste your time going back to check their social media. Don't ever waste your time wallowing in what was because what was was a lie. But walk away victorious, honoring who you are. Thank you for listening to the Project Real Love Podcast. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe and share it with a friend. Connect with the host on social media at Pink Girl Teaches. Until next time, remember, this is about real love between real people. <laughs>